Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Which buck and only buck has been voted to the Pro Bowl? The answer is not all that surprising. We look back also at Monday night's loss to the Falcons on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey everybody, Tom Jones, Rick Straub, Tampa Bay Times, along with our producer Steve Versnick. And Rick, no big surprise. We'll talk about... Joe McCoy and some interesting off the field stuff, but let's talk about some on the field stuff. Uh, selected to the Pro Bowl again. I'm telling you what, Rick. You start looking at this guy's career. How many? How many Pro Bowls now is this for McCoy? This is uh, six in a row. Six in a row. Six in a put, row. Put that in contrast when uh, Warren Sapp, the Hall of Famer, yeah, uh, was with the Bucks. He made seven in a row. Okay, so he's now nearing you know territory once only reserved for a defensive tackle named number ninety nine. Well, and here's the thing about that. You mentioned Hall of Fame, and I know this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people. He's piling up the Pro Bowls, Rick. And if this team, this franchise, was any good at all, and it's not his fault, by the way, that it isn't, you would start to wonder if he was building a Hall of Fame resume. Now, I know Sapp had a had a player of the year, a defensive player of the year mm-hmm. award in there. But I'm telling you what, if Joe, if this team was 13-3, and three, if this team went 12-4, and four, and again, he's not the reason that they're going to go 4-12 this year. In fact, he's the last guy on the list. As if you're starting to, to list reasons why they're going to go four and twelve, uh, you would start to wonder if he would get a little recognition for being one of the best defensive players in football. Clearly, his peers think he's sensational, and yet I think locally, I think locally he's not as respected as he is nationally. Rick, we watch this guy day in and day out, game in and game out. This is one terrific football player, and I don't think these six Pro Bowls, you can't, no matter how you slice it up, no matter what you think about Pro Bowls, this is meaningful when you talk about a guy's career. Maybe a guy lucks into one or two Pro Bowls. Maybe his reputation gets him one or two. You don't make six in a row without being a really dominant NFL player. That's true, and you know now the Pro Bowl has been watered down because the two teams in the, in the Super Bowl don't participate um, you know, there'll be about 130 guys that can call themselves pro bowlers. Right. But the difference is, is that Gerald on these six, six selections has actually been voted by his peers, the fans and the coaches, um, you know, with the first, the first ballot. In other words, he wasn't an alternate. He wasn't any of those things. So to go to six in a row in this league is, is pretty impressive. And, you know, like I said, when you look at the company that he's keeping, I mean, you know, John Lynch, who, you know, is a Hall of Fame finalist three times over, I think, went to nine in his career. He went to three or four in, in Denver, as a matter of fact. Um, but, you know, you, when you start getting into areas of defensive tackles and, and, you know, Warren Sapp is his mentor, is his idol. He told a good story. He said, you know, the first one he went to, remember his first two years in the NFL were just like wipeouts because he tore both bicep muscles and um, didn't get to play much at all. And everybody had him ticketed for, you know, bustville. Uh, and I don't mean Kenton, Ohio. And then, you know, then all of a sudden he got he got healthy. And from that year, the first year that he was, uh, his third year in the league, he makes the Pro Bowl, I think. And when he went there, you know, he was happy to be there. And he was in Hawaii and all that. And then Warren Sapp talked to him and said, okay, now what? He was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, now, you know, now, now you've got to make, you got to stack them. You got to stack them like, 
And now you got to chase the ghosts. You got to ch- chase the greats of the game, like me. And I got seven in a row. Well, here he is with six. So not bad considering who he replaced, considering who he's always compared to, and he couldn't be more different personality-wise. Right. And, you know, he, you said something before this podcast we were just talking about. Like, is there a more underappreciated athlete in pro sports in Tampa Bay than Gerald McCoy ever? No, and we'll get to the off the field as well because I think he's underappreciated there. But on the field, I'm trying to think, Rick, everybody that, that's a pretty decent player. In fact, some guys, I, I think we overvalue how, how good they are. Sure. I think Evan Longoria's career has been sort of up and down at times. He's maybe not as good as as we think he should be uh, or, or or that he's his numbers maybe don't equal the type of player we actually think he is. Um, Gerald McCoy clearly is one of those guys. And I think it all goes back to those first couple years, Rick. And look, there was a narrative out there created by maybe by newspapers, but particularly by talk radio. Let's be honest. You know, there were some guys in town that Mm -hmm. didn't like Gerald McCoy still and (laughs) still don't, and still don't give him the credit that, that he absolutely deserves. And I'm, I'm actually more impressed by the fact, Rick, that he's made six pro bowls in a row now voted in six pro bowls on a team that's been as bad as the Bucks have been over that stretch. because, And I'm not taking anything away from Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp is one of the elite players. He he may be the best player that's ever played that position. So I'm not comparing him to, to Warren Sapp. But there are a lot of guys who play on franchises that are consistently good year in and year out. I followed one growing up, the Pittsburgh Steelers. When I was a kid, the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think it's easy to just accept, like, all those guys are great guys. You know, they're all good. Because they Green, win all the time. Because they know. win all the time, and you see them all the time, and they're they're part of the public, the national conversation. And here's the other thing about that, Rick. When, you, when you're when you surrounded by, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're Jack, uh, you're Jack Lambert and you're surrounded by Joe Green and Jack Ham and Mel Blunt and all these Hall of Famers or whatever great team out there, not New England Patriots with some of the, some of the players they have or the Dallas Cowboys, the teams that get all the attention. Who's Gerald McCoy been surrounded by in his nine? What is it? Eight years now in the league? Nine years in the league? Um, who's who's what Hall of Famers have played around him? None. I mean, Ron, he played a little bit with Rondé, I guess, at the end of Rondé's career. Um, that's I mean, that, I mean, Levante David's a nice player. He's a good player. Yeah. Who and who on the offensive? Who on that defensive line? I mean, he's played with a zillion guys. I just yeah. I am amazed at how good he is for having been surrounded by not very good players on a team that's not been very good. Well, he's been very consistent, and I know he, you know he's sitting here with five sacks, and and he's he's missed you know he missed the last game, and I don't know you know what his chances of playing the next two. He's not on IR, so they think there's a chance. Um, but like over the last four years, I want to say maybe five, he has the most sacks of any defensive tackle. Um, now you know, having said that, um, you know there's guys who haven't been in the league that long, um, you know that are very very good too. But um, the point is, is that you know. To me, he's more, and this is not by position, but like when Leroy Selman was the number one overall pick here and came in as as you know this kid from Ufala, Oklahoma, everybody knew about him because he's a great college player. But he had nothing around him, right? I mean, and and that's sort of what it was with Gerald. There wasn't anybody to teach Gerald how to do this. You know, they had purged all the veterans off that football team when he came in here as a rookie, and so. He sort of by default was okay. You're the leader. You're the mo- you're the one first round pick. You're the guy that makes the most money. Go out there and tell everybody why we lost. And that's sort of been like you know the the association you get and fans get with with Gerald is that he's always been part of a bunch of crappy teams, so he must be crappy too. Right. 
because um, he's the highest paid player on said crappy team. So and the fa- you know, the one face, the one constant face throughout the whole right time here. So you take out your frustrations on the guy that just can't get it done, and 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 you know, and all those things, and you know, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, it's like um, somebody was complaining the other day about Marvin Lewis and the fact that you know, ah, he goes to the playoffs every year, but they haven't won a playoff game. I mean, how how miserable is that? Well, I bet Joe McCoy would trade, you know, some of those Pro Bowls to go to a playoff game and lose. Um, because he he could very likely play his entire career and never see the postseason. And I'm not holding a telethon for him. I think he's had he's got it in perspective. He's had a great career. He loves it here in Tampa. He grew up wanting to be a Buccaneer. It's kind of bizarre, but that this was his his favorite team. And he's got to live a dream. But, you know, it's it's a shame that, you know, and this happened to Paul Gruber until his last season, um, never got to go to the playoffs. There's great players that, you know, have have spent their best years. I mean, the Gerald McCoy's best years are behind him. Sure. And Levante David's best years are probably behind him, even though he had a fantastic year and probably should be on the Pro Bowl and may still make it. Right. But there's a lot of good football that's a lot a lot of body parts have been spilt around the NFL for the last five, six, seven, eight, now going on ten years by players like Gerald McCoy. And their whole careers have gone by. And they're out of their prime now. And it's it's too bad because this organization was screwing around and, and not, not getting in the postseason and firing coaches, and they wasted some really talented players like a Gerald McCoy. And he's, he very likely could be known as, as you know, that guy that you know, just never got – wasn't fortunate enough to be on a team uh, and was still here when they, if they ever start winning again. And here's the thing, Rick, for all the criticism that he gets locally from some members of the media, from some fans, and the fact that they lose all the time, other than one – Pretty vague tweet before this season, which may not even have been directed the way he meant it to be directed. Uh, I've never heard him complain about wanting to play somewhere else. Look, he could sit there. Obviously, he could say, look, I want out of here. If we're not going to win, we're going to change coaches every two years. He's on his fourth coach. He's about to be on his fifth coach. And he's barely been in. You know, it's almost basically you know one, yeah. one every two years. Oh, he chose and to stay here. I mean, he, he's he never. Like, but I've never even heard him complain about, you know what, maybe it's time I move on. Maybe it's nope. time. All the, there was that one tweet before the season says, People are going to miss me when I'm gone, and P and and we maybe jumped the gun and sort of thought, well, does he mean he wants out of here? And that's right. and he turned out like a day later and said, no, that's not what I meant. There's never been. You've had a lot of private conversations with him, Rick. He's mm-hmm. never rolled his eyes and said, get me out of here, or or fed a story to the media saying, nope. hey, maybe it'd be better off if I want maybe you know create a trade rumor. It's never happened, which I I admire about the guy. Yeah, and it's because, like I said, this is this is where he wanted to be, and and he's put down roots, and he loves Tampa, and he and he wants to win here. It would mean more to him to play his whole career here. Very few guys do it, but if he's going to win, he'd like to win right here in Tampa Bay. And right. you know, so it's it's you know, the guy who didn't do that, by the way, was drafted right ahead of him. I in was Donald just Con thinking Sue. that. <laughs> you know, and and I mean, Sue, you know, was in Detroit. And bailed on them and made the decision he wanted to go to Miami, where they right. haven't won much there either. But and he's and he's about to play his way out of there as well. That's right. And you're exactly right. If I look at these two guys very early, I think most people maybe two or three or four years, and again it goes back to Gerald's injuries, would have thought, boy, the, the Lions got the better of that deal. Oh, Sue yeah. was the better player. Now I don't think so. I'd rather I'd rather have McCoy's career. Now, their their careers are very similar. They, they you know, in terms of number of tackles and sacks and games played and impact that they've had. But Sousa, you know, Sousa, 
<laughs> Sue's a, a dirty player. That's the other thing too. We can get into Rick that this idea that you know Sue's a nasty player and he you know he snarls and he's 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 a little bit dirty and that's what you want from one of your defensive stars. Whereas Gerald, that the whole thing of he's too nice a guy helps players up, which I think is still the silliest thing I've ever heard since I've been covering sports. That. Joe McCoy isn't a great player because he helps opponents off the field. That's an insane that's, – that's a stupid thing that people say when they're looking to criticize a guy because they're frustrated their team's not winning. And they, as you mentioned, they got to take it out on somebody. But to suggest that he's not a great player because he helps people up, come on. That's ridiculous. Well, they, they go beyond that. I mean, they call him soft, which is you know probably the, the worst thing, I guess, the biggest insult you can have. But if that's true – and Leroy Selman was the softest football player I ever <laughs> saw because he helped up every single quarterback that he absolutely annihilated um, on his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, fans want to win. If you're not winning, they want to blame somebody. And obviously a guy that gets paid the most money and has been there the longest is going to take the brunt of that. Right. Well, like I said, I've said this time and time again. I can give you fifty reasons why the Bucks have been bad over the last decade or since they, you know, since they won the Super Bowl. Yep. And Gerald McCoy's name will not be in the top fifty reasons why this team has not been any good. Um, Rick, what that's his on the field. That, that's what he's done on the field, and he's and and a little bit off the field in terms of his leadership. But you got a. We were talking about this before the podcast, and you have an amazing story about the type of guy that the Gerald McCoy is off the field and. As much as we underappreciate maybe what he does on the field, I think he goes even more underappreciated for what a good guy he is off the field. Well, yeah, and he, you know, he does a lot of things. It's not any one thing, and he doesn't have a foundation. He just pretty much, you know, want a football camp? Okay, I'll pay for it. Come on out to one buck place. You know, there are guys, um, you know, that sign with corporations basically or with companies that put on football camps, and yes, they are paid to have their football camp. Okay. Joe McCoy is the opposite. He's putting everyone on scholarship out of his own personal pocket. He doesn't have sponsors. He doesn't have donors. He's just doing it. That's sort of what he's done his whole career. And he's never, you know, from a tax, I I would recommend highly that he maybe get a foundation (laughs) because he's probably cost himself, you know, a a ton of money. But it's not about the money to him. And the neatest thing he does, I think, every year is, you know, a lot of guys do great things at Christmas time. I went to Deshaun Jackson and then shop with a jock and all that stuff at Walmart, and he gave $100 gift cards. All that stuff was really cool. A lot of players came out. Tonight, um, Joe got 40 families, you know, from uh, that were single-parent families, and these, these names were selected by Metropolitan Ministries and some other, uh, some other charitable ent- entities, and they invited them to one buck, and they do this a lot. And, and you know, people go, and they, they had a holiday dinner for them, and they pretty much convinced them they were there to tour the facility and look, look at the practice fields and whatnot. So when the dinner Which gets Which is over, a cool thing as it is, right there for a little It's very kid. cool. Yeah, if you've <laughs> yeah. not been to One Buck Place, it's a palace. I mean, it's I, impressive, I yeah. Called, when they built it, I called it One Buck Palace. I don't know why it didn't stick, because I thought it was But you perfect. go and you meet, the, and you're just to meet Joe McCoy and take a look around at where the yeah, place I mean, practice you know, would be a really hell, cool you thing. You get a free meal and, and uh, you know, sure. all the all the trimmings, and it's a holiday thing, and, you know, so, so they do that. And then they come out, and he has got, I mean, he went all out. I mean, he's got... You know, a company that has put up Christmas lights and a path leading to the to the indoor facility. There's you know giant inflatable, um, you know sort of ornamental stuff on on the lawn. There's there's all kinds of Christmas trees and and um, the pirate ship. They have a remote pirate ship lined with pirates. So they walk these kids out to the um, you know out to the facility, 
the indoor facility, and, it's, and the walls, which are glass predominantly, have been kind of blacked out for a purpose. And then when they bring them in there, they have no clue this is going to happen. Um, there are 20 Christmas trees, and there are two names of families on each tree. And underneath them are more presents than you and I have probably ever gotten in mm. a single Christmas in our lives. Um, all of them with bikes. And, and they took the personal shopping list of these families and fulfilled them. I mean, fulfilled all of them as best they could. It had to take months of shopping to accomplish this. I don't know who does it, but it was remarkable. And I'm telling you, I hadn't really been fully in the Christmas spirit this year as much as mm. I'd like to be just because of work and whatnot. Sure. Um, when I saw those faces, I posted some on Twitter at NFL Stroud, if you want to take a look at it. Um, it's it just and, – and Gerald – is you know he he of course him and his wife and his family purchased all these things out of their own pocket more way in excess of twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff and he's the joy that he has doing this like he gets more out of it than they do i'm telling you and these parents you know some of them had stories like you know they got in a car accident uh, didn't have collision didn't really need it the car got totaled now they don't have a car they have a check for a couple hundred bucks you know they can't get to work i mean there's so many hardships and so many people in need out there. And I know it's Christmas time, so we hear a lot about it. And they need stuff all year. Um, and Gerald does stuff all year. But it was really, really something to see these parents. And his whole thing was, you know, um, you know, he, 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 was, he was not raised by single parents. His mom and dad were married. But his mom was a single parent before she met his dad. And he, all of his aunts were single parents. And so he understands that, you know, those folks – um, have it tough and you see the tears and you see them trying to give their children everything and you see how hard they work and he just wanted to to let them know that for one day, for one week, for one holiday, somebody has their back. Somebody is saying, you know, we recognize that, you know, you're you're pretty tough and that we appreciate what you do for your family as a single parent. And so it was neat, man. It was just, I and again, you know, Nobody, it was funny because only Spectrum, I think television was there, maybe one other channel. Um, it was it was promoted by the Bucks, but not overly so. Wasn't really any other teammates, you know, mm -hmm. it was just Gerald and his family, and that's the way they wanted it. And it was just remarkable. He, again, you know, what you do in the dark comes to the light, and what he <laughs> did, what no one was watching, was pretty remarkable last night. No, that's the thing, these the thing that these athletes do a lot of times without any recognition, without calling attention to the media, without uh, you know, looking for for credit for any of this. And here's the other thing, Rick. A lot of people will will listen to this and say, "Well, I mean, he's he's got he's making how many yeah, well, million a dollars a year? Thousand dollars? What's yeah. a couple thousand dollars? That's like five bucks to you and me." Bottom line is he doesn't have to do this. No. And if he didn't, and if he didn't do it, nobody would criticize him for not doing no, it. Wouldn't. Or you know what? He could just write a check to somebody and say, "Here, That's you know, here's right. here's five hundred, here's here's five thousand dollars, here's ten thousand, here's here's twenty thousand dollars, whatever." Sure. And just give it to people. It's not that. It's the time. It's the time that goes into that. And like I said, and here's the detail. A the effort. here's the That's right. Here's a Tuesday night, Rick. It's a Tuesday night during football season. And he's a short banged week. up. A short week. They just played last night. He's exhausted. I'm sure he'd like to have the day off. And if he didn't do it again, we wouldn't be sitting here going, "How come Joe McCoy doesn't do stuff for the community?" Yeah, I wonder what he's doing on Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody. I would, in fact, I would say, "Hey, you want to?" I'd like to have a Tuesday night off. I mean, it, you know, it's yeah. And you know, for these guys to do stuff like that, and you hear about it all the time, and and it just goes back to Rick. You know, look, we're in this business, and we we sort of we get a peek behind the curtain, so we see a lot of these guys, and. We have to remind ourselves that, look, they're human beings, too. So sometimes 
you know, they'll do something and it would be easy to criticize a guy because he's a lousy human being every now and then. We all are. You know, sometimes we don't have our best days. But a guy like Gerald McCoy, Rick, I we're, we're not supposed to root for guys. I root for Gerald McCoy because I think he's such a good man. He's a really good man. And I, I, uh, I, I haven't come across a whole lot. I mean, a lot of guys in sports, I covered the Lightning for a lot of years. I covered Vinny LeCavier, who's as good a human being as there is to, as well. But, boy, a guy like Joe McCoy, he's just a really good person. It's, it's, he is, uh, and he's a good player. And I think the thing that, you know, and I, I, we've gotten plenty of, of tweets about him and different things. And you, you can nitpick any of these. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Athletes and say, oh boy, I wish he was more this or more like that. But at the end of the day, if you got a problem with Gerald McCoy, boy, I got a problem with you. I mean, it just <laughs> it says it just, more about you than it does about. It Joe really McCoy, does yeah. because there is nothing, really nothing that you should dislike about the man, either on or off the field. To be honest with you, and um, so anyway, that's that's my soapbox for the night. No, I'm good, I, and, and I I'm feel just like call, a just complete a... shill for this guy. But no, well, look, I I'll tell you what, maybe maybe so, and me too, but I just called up your Twitter. I'm looking at the. At the oh, you guys photo. see those faces. I photo of a little girl jumping on a bike. Oh. And it's just, I'm, I'm tearing up looking at it. It's I'm like, telling it's, you, it's the greatest, it's and I'm not a great photographer, but those moments great. were everywhere. You couldn't you couldn't uh, aim a camera without capturing them, and um, the faces of these children, and the mom who, you know, is sitting, standing there as well, Yeah, no, no, enjoy you can... those faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Something and then, no, remember that. It's, I mean, Christmas, you know, it's just, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's okay. wonderful. Yeah. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop before I start. Jumbo Clamp, talk among yourselves. <laughs> Paul Call, talk because Jumbo Shrimp is neither Jumbo nor Shrimp. Go ahead, <laughs> discuss. Um, so uh, hey, so let, I'll tell you here. I got something to discuss, Rick. Is why doesn't the NFL have a rule that if a, a, an official trips can't <laughs> like, like his like his shoelaces are tied together and can't spot the ball that yeah. the that the play should stop for a minute or a second until they get the ball set stop <laughs> that clock because I'll tell you what Rick it might have cost some bucks a football game and I'm not saying that that Patrick Murray if he did and to just to set up what happened again if in case people missed it the bucks are driving in Monday night's game they're down by a field goal late in the game they're driving they have, they're out of timeouts they complete a pass to pick up a first down and um and time is about to run out and the referee goes, or one of the officials goes to set the ball so that Jameis Winston can clock it, which means just get take the snap and throw it mm-hmm. and, and kill the clock. And ideally, if everything had worked out right and the official had managed to stay on his feet instead of looking like he was skating somewhere, they would have had maybe anywhere from 9 to 10 to 12 seconds, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, left. play started at 25, so yeah. As it turned out, they had to, it turned out to be, what, 7 seconds left after five. they clocked about 5 seconds, which is not Cinco. nearly enough time to, to, to run a play. So they, at that point, had to try what turned out to be a 54-yard field goal attempt by Patrick Murray. He had the distance, missed a little bit wide to Just the right. Just missed, yeah. Pushed but Lana, let's say that he had moved in, you know, five yards or six yards yeah, or whatever. Yeah, well, definitely gets in there. Definitely. Now, now you, now only that. It's also psychologically, there's a big difference oh, yeah. for a kicker between kicking a forty-eight inside yarder, the fifty or for even from fifty. Right. Yeah. 
instead of a 54-yarder. And here's your, I don't know that they win that game in overtime. Even. I don't know that Patrick Murray makes the 50-yarder, and I don't know that they win that game in overtime. But I'll tell you what, I'd like to see what would have happened. So going back, and I know that everybody over there at One Buck today talked about it again. Dirk Cutter mm-hmm. talked about it again. They got to be frustrated. If you're Dirk Cutter, like, seriously, I'm going to lose my job because I couldn't official can't stay on his feet? Well, it would be nice if well, that was the only reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but but, um, but it, is, it is true. The umpire, whose name is not in front of me, but I wrote about it uh, both online and in, uh, in the newspaper. Um, it's, you know, his job is to spot the ball. And, and they, you know, they did. They got it They got it down there. You know, you try to get it to 35. I think they were about the 37 or 38 or so. And two things happen. I mean, the first thing that happens is Cameron Brait, who makes an 11-yard reception, and it's now first down. So the downs is not a problem. They just don't have any timeouts. Um, the defensive back sits on him. I mean, he won't let him up. And, you know, that's that's like, okay, if you're on, you know, if you're on the other team, everybody's telling you a good job. Bucks bench was going crazy, pointing at him, saying, he's, he's, look, he's sitting on him. He's leaning on him. Won't right, let him get right, up. right. So that was the first thing, okay? So then they get the line of scrimmage, and they're waiting on the umpire to set the ball. Tony Mikulek is the guy's that, name. Yeah, that's there. <laughs> thank you. And so – here comes here here comes Big Tone number one fifteen, uh, and all of a sudden you know, and it had been kind of you know guys had slipped during the game, players had slipped, but this dude um, does what Dirk Cutter describes as a bear crawl it to the was. line of scrimmage, and you know, and he fumbled Nelly. Oh boy, the big went down. He really went down. Oh boy, they're waiting on the ball. Here comes to nine, me. There's seven, nothing funny. Five, there's, four. There's like, nothing funnier in this world than watching somebody try to stay on their feet after yeah. they're starting to trip, and that's skates. What, yeah, yeah. It's, it's and hilarious. he's a large man. He's not, you know, he's, he, he, this is not a, uh, you know, it's a not Usain Bolt running across the field. Yeah, or even a jacked up, uh, you know, type dude. But like he, he just looks bad doing it. And <laughs> I mean, the whole time, you know, it's 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 not funny because there's a panic now ensuing. And here's the other thing that happens. Let's say he gets that ball spotted without, you know, going skates on us, and and they 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 kill it right. They spike it, yeah. And say they just you know spike it with how much time there is. Well, that calms things down quite a bit because now you can you know you can talk about running another play, obviously. But more than that, what happened was the bench was erupting so crazily over both. Break being leaned on, and then this guy, you know, going soap dish on them, <laughs> that they decided they were going to argue with the referees. You know, I mean, yeah. like everybody's like, ah, you know, screaming. In the meantime, you got to get the you got to get the uh, field goal team on because the clock operator he doesn't care that you're screaming at the ref. Right. He doesn't right. care that the guy, you know, just tunneled his way, uh, you know, to to the hash mark. He doesn't care. The clock is still running. No one told him to stop the clock. It's human error, but the clock is going to continue to run. And so that's what made sort of a rush job, you know, uh, for Patrick Murray because there were guys not lined up. You know, if you watch the replay, Dirk Cutter is screaming at them to hurry up because the play clock is down to six seconds. You right. Know? So they've had so exhausted so much time yelling at this guy that they're not going to get the damn kick off. And so and they're you know, out of timeouts and you can't Yeah. You know. And so I mean my whole point is that the whole operation of the field goal itself, even if they hadn't run another play, would have been much smoother, you know, with without the guy, you know, 
right. going Nancy Cardigan on him. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Uh, there's more news coming here in the next couple of days, Rick. They get ready. They have a short week now to get ready for Carolina on Sunday, and this will be a, a, a game that Carolina cares about because there's still a lot to play for in the Nash, in the uh, in the NFC. And it looks like the Bucks may have to do it without a bunch of guys, right? We're we're talking. There could be some guys going on IR. Four here to five week. guys wow. could be placed on IR. You had a couple already that have been announced. I mean, Darius Glanton uh, fractured his leg, and he had to have surgery. In fact, Monday night after the game, so that doesn't sound very good. Like, you know, surgery means displacement of the bone and probably, yeah, right. you know, different things like that. Um, J.R. Sweezy, um, you know, he has some lower leg injury. We saw him in a walking boot. He's done. Now, what this means is these are more than two-week injuries because, well, the season's over in two weeks. So anybody who can't play the next two weeks or would be rushing it back for no apparent reason, they're going to put on IR. And I think before it's over with, you could look at an O.J. Howard. You could be looking at a Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, I, I've heard you could be looking at a Vernon Hargraves, uh, Justin Evans. I mean, all these guys are now candidates. I'm not saying we'll know more on Wednesday, but uh, they're all candidates uh, to not play these last two weeks, which means yeah, and- they're bringing up. Not just Durham, they're going all the way to Birmingham to find guys. <laughs> they're going to go to Port Charlotte, bringing up guys Penn from the Gulf yeah. Coast League. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tim Tebow is going to bring come in and play for him before it's all over. Um, anyway, they'll get ready for the game on uh, Sunday at uh, at Carolina, and as I mentioned, that game means something. Carolina, Carolina, by the way, and the, they ended the Packers season along with the Bucks. And and speaking of IR, Aaron Rodgers will, will miss the rest of the season. He's going on IR as well. Um, one little Final, thing I want to go, go ahead. ahead. I was no, just no, going to say a final thing that we haven't talked about, and we don't have to make a big discussion because, frankly, I have no details at all. But the whole Doug Martin situation. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to ask about Doug. I mean, I, talk I, about a guy um, not focused, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, remember where this whole thing began with, you know, last new, last Christmas Eve. Tom, let's go to the Wayback Machine. And last Christmas Eve, we were in New Orleans when all of a sudden we looked down and Doug Martin was inactive for no apparent right. reason, or so we thought. And then... They lost a critical game to the Saints. He did did not make himself available, or the Bucks felt like his head or other parts of his body weren't going to be in the game, and they lose the game. And then we come to find out, oh, substance abuse problem. He's had tested positive, four-game suspension, right. okay, which he then began serving this year. And right. so you served that three-game that, that three Yeah, games, it, was a, it, was the, it was the one, last game, well, last last game of last game year. Last game of that and season the first three, and yeah. first three of this year, and you serve those three games, and you come back and you pronounce yourself – clean, ready to go, everything's great, nothing to see here, right? Mm-hmm. And you actually have a pretty good game against the Patriots from a, an average standpoint, and then you do nothing. And I mean nothing uh, the rest of the season. Whether it's all on Doug Martin or not, we can debate that. Um, and then you get to the end of the year, and according to the box, you violate a team rule. Now, that can be anything from missing a meeting to not showing up at the game on time. I really don't know. Missing curfew, whatever. Yeah, and they don't want to say what it is. And I, on, from a corporate standpoint, I kind of get it. You know, I can't go down the line. Oh, was it this? Was it that? Was it this? But for a guy who's had admitted substance abuse pro- problems and has been to rehab, you know, whether he showed up late or not, it's the, you know, that's, that's the symptom. What's, what's really going on? Right. How does a guy in his last three weeks, with what he has already um, in jeopardy of losing, not just from a l- not lack of reduction, the fact he's going to be 29 years old, but also this other thing now suddenly can't make it and be a professional and has to be suspended for violating a team rule 
with three weeks to go in the season. This is a terrible thing for Doug Martin. Well, it is a terrible thing, and I'm I'm not one to, to, to dig too far into conspiracy theories and all that sort of thing. But, Rick, I would I would guess, and maybe I'm totally off base, and maybe I'm being totally unfair to Doug Martin about this, that if it was just simply one of those things like he overslept, okay, he overslept, he slept in, it was one of those things, his alarm didn't go off, we mm-hmm. got a flat tire or something like that. You'd almost expect word would leak out, like, hey, you know what? Okay, we had to suspend, we had to sit him down for a game, or maybe, maybe you just don't start him. You know, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you let him dress. You don't play him for half, whatever. Um, although that that's not, it's not college, so they don't do those sort of things at the NFL level. But you almost would think that somebody would leak out, like, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But the fact that that nobody's really saying. Yeah, I mean, we sort of have hints about what might have happened in terms of like maybe a missed meeting or something like that. But right. again, it it goes back to they they probably have a better idea of what why he missed the meeting as opposed to it being just a missed meeting. It's a, he wasn't suspended for missing a meeting. He was suspended for the as you said for the reason why he missed a meeting. I'm guessing. Well, we, and we don't know the reason, but and and I'm not sure they do either. But the, I guess as Dirk has said to us many times now since last uh, since after the game was like. You know, we're, we're it's done. We're moving on. That's it. You know, nothing to see here. Um, but there's only two games left in Doug Martin's Tampa Bay career, assuming he gets any work at all, because I think the intention would be to play Peyton Barber. Yeah. Hey, one last thing I want to mention, Rick, as we're recording this podcast on Tuesday night, uh, Florida Atlantic is beating the crap out of Akron. <laughs> And this is that this comes on to here's Lane Kiffin, the head coach of FAU, just got a 10 year extension. Now, I will bet anybody on the planet Earth that he will not be at FAU for the next 10 years. But isn't it funny, Rick? I mean, you know, you know, Lane a little bit because, you know, his dad really well. Monty, of course, a longtime defensive coordinator for the Bucks. Um, it wasn't that long ago that Lane was was toxic. Nobody wanted him. And he really didn't get any calls on this latest merry-go-round of coaching searches, as far as we know. But he's going to someday. It's an amazing sort of within a year. Just going to FAU, I think, has really turned around his career. He'll be coaching either a Power Five or an NFL team again in the next before the ten-year contract is up. I guarantee you. Don't you think? Yeah, I don't even know what ten-year contracts mean. I don't. I don't <laughs> like, they're not. They can't be enforceable. I mean, all I know is there's buyouts in these things, and you know, I mean, it didn't hurt Jimbo Fisher. It doesn't hurt anybody to go from school to school. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh has a lifetime contract. So what the hell does that that's mean? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. So I, I. I. You know. But it is interesting. I mean, Lane. I mean, it, the one thing that I think is pretty obvious to people now is that the dude can coach. I mean, Florida Atlantic was not even competitive, right? And he went in there and in one season wins that division. I think he may have lost one game in the conference, rather. And you know, then they just curb stomp Akron in, in a bowl game that's really at their yeah, home. He's got double double digit wins at like ten or 11, yeah. 11, 10 or eleven wins. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, he can really, really coach. And and he says, well, I'm at a point in my life where you know, um, I can see myself here ten years. And and you know, Boca is really nice, and it is, by the way. But you're right. I mean, I think you know, at some point, and him and his brother Chris are coaching together. But at some point, you would think you know, someone's going to go down there and say, wait a minute, you know. We're okay with you coaching our team in Division One, and right. name name the Power Five conference. You know, there's a lot of teams that you think Lane Kiffin could uh, could could work at. So, I I don't think he's going to be at Florida Atlantic for very long. But it sure has been fun uh, watching what he's done down there. I like Lane. I don't know him real well. I've I've interviewed him a couple of times, and the times I've interviewed him, I actually think he's a pretty. I think he's I think he's funny. I think he's, he's funny, a pretty yeah. good. He's a pretty good dude. I, I know some people refer to him. He's kind of a frat boy type of addict, but I don't know. I, I 
I like him. I don't know. How, do you know him very well at all? I don't know him uh, as well. Like you said, through Monty. I mean, I, I you know, I practically helped recruit a kid for him that ended up Mason Cole <laughs> ended up going to uh, Michigan instead. But because uh, Monty was Monty was calling me all the time about him, but. Um, but I have followed Lane, and, you know, Lane, I mean, Lane learned at the hand of the master, right? I mean, it's funny, he's on the offensive side, but, hell, all he did was watch defenses all the time, so right. who better to attack them than uh, than Lane? And, and his brother, like I said, his brother Chris coaches, and so I, it just, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a football family. I mean, he's he's a lifer. That's what he's going to do, and... Um, but he's got a little, you know, he's he's got a lot of attitude too now, and I'm sure that rubs people the wrong way. Yes, he's a confident <laughs> Kiffin. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Never known well, him to lack in confidence. Speaking of college football, if you're looking for something to do, if you're bored on Wednesday, it's uh, early signing period for colleges and for high school kids to to sign where they want to play uh, oh, college yeah. football next year. So you go to Twitter if you want. And or go to some of the message boards and look at a bunch of adults screaming at seventeen-year-old kids that they've never seen play, by the way, and yell at them for not signing with their school. And you can uh, you can fill your. I day. like the whole hat game. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> what, you know what that that whole thing? I don't know why it bugs me, but it does. And it's see what they should put in front of them are, are piles of cash, and <laughs> yeah. the program that is willing to give you the most. You get to pick up the money, and say, it was. I'm going to. Oh, there's the cash. LSU. <laughs> you know. Well, here, you know what's. Here's, okay, so did you see this thing the other day? I mentioned this real quick. The uh, Ohio State. I guess there was this kid. He was a five star defensive end, and he was supposed to. Uh, he he went to uh, on his official visit to Ohio State, and happened to be the game day was there that weekend. So he he took photos and he got on a set of game day. With a media pass, and he took photos with Eddie George, who was the guest picker that uh, on that day, mm-hmm. and Kirk Herbstreet, which there's no problem with that. Apparently, apparently, you can meet with guys who played at that university at once alumni. upon a time. They're mm-hmm. alumni, right? So that, in fact, that's what a lot of these schools do. They they wheel out their alumni and tell you what a great place it is. And but then he also, they paid them. <laughs> no. they, well, yeah, I mean. they took him to a strip club. <laughs> but no, the uh, but the the other part was that I guess he took photos with Lee Corso and and Reese Davis, and that's. Uh, Apparently a violation. You can't use members of the media along what? with. Yeah, it's a really. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, this is the dumbest rule I've ever heard. Because now Ohio State says they had they stopped recruiting the kid at that point. It's OK. We come back. I mean, just so I get this straight. So he, he went to the he went to game day because he was there with his visit and game day was there. And he got, and he got on a set and he got. And apparently meet. that was a violation as well, that you can't give access to players uh, that the general public doesn't have. So he was on the set. Of game day, like not everybody can get on. So the he set could he could have held a snarky sign behind those guys, but he wasn't uh, supposed yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. You could do that, but yeah, but you can't actually go up and, and put okay, on. Okay, but a, he got to meet whatever head, he like got to meet. Head. He got to meet uh, two Ohio State former Ohio State players, right? Which is Kurt fine. Street. Yeah, and then who else? Who was the other guy? Uh, Eddie George, who was the guest Eddie George. Picker. So Eddie yeah. George. So that's okay. But the minute he talked to Lee Corso, apparently that's part of the vi- and these NCAA rules are so convoluted. Now it becomes a thing where they took pictures with them. You can't. There's a thing about you can't use members of the media as a part of the recruiting. Pro- it's just. It's almost like, oh, even Ohio State had nothing to do with it. I can't even figure out why the NCAA would have a problem with this. Like, what could be the possible way to cheat 
by having Lee Corso or Reese Davis. But anyway, here's the thing. I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. I'm looking, I'm reading this story, and it says, well, Ohio State stopped recruiting. I'm like this, and I don't even, I don't like Ohio State. Nobody does. But I'm looking at this thing, and I'm saying, this is the nobody, dumbest thing. Well, nobody does? Really? Nobody does. Except, yeah, <laughs> nobody likes Ohio State. Nobody likes Urban wow. Meyer. Nobody likes Ohio Ask okay. our producer, Steve Ersting. Nobody likes Hey, it. for those of you on the love our podcast, <laughs> and you're from Ohio State, we still want you to listen. Nobody likes yeah, them. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Steve. So anyway, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at this, and I say this is the dumbest thing ever, even though I don't like Ohio State. And then it says, if he's not going to go to Ohio State, other schools that he's interested in are Penn State and Alabama. Well, wait a minute. This is a good rule. I absolutely believe that these should. <laughs> Once I saw Penn State, I was all in on this yeah. new rule. But anyway, so it'll be fun on Wednesday if you have not, like I said, if you have nothing better to do, watch adults scream at kids for deciding Love to put it. on a Clemson hat instead of a South Carolina hat. That's right. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can check us out. Subscribe. Please subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Stroud. Go to, seriously, go to Rick's Twitter page and see some of these photos of these kids uh, getting on bikes that Gerald McCoy provided for them. It's the coolest thing ever. It'll and you melt can find your me cold on, heart, Tom Jones. I will. It, it teared me up. And you can also find me uh, at Tom W. Jones. Somebody tweeted me the other day, Rick. By the way, I was complaining about the Steelers getting screwed on that Jesse you James were. catch. And someone said, you mean you can see the TV from your kitchen? Because <laughs> I, I can't see the... I said, that call was so bad, I could actually see it from my kitchen. That, that should have been a touchdown. That's beautiful. Thanks again to our producer, Steve Verstick. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again on uh, Wednesday. Take care. Or on Thursday. See you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.